Hello, everybody. Everything's great. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the world in the flesh is what we're talking about today. Um, first slide. Who has seen, who knows Francis Chan? Raise your hand. Yes, he is my pastor friend that doesn't know me, but I love him. So I need a volunteer. Yes, what's your name? Gabrielle. Gabrielle, come up here. Okay. This is the rope analogy said by Francis Chan, introduced by Nina and Gabrielle. You're going to take this end. You're going to run towards that chair, but slowly. Woo, woo, woo. Everyone give it up for Gabrielle. Yes, Or something to write on? Awesome. Okay. So the next slide are these two castles. And this castle is, what does that say? Your castle. Your castle. And this castle says, Heavenly Kingdom. Castle. Okay? So that's, <laughs> look at this nice sunshine. This was also on CinderellaColoringPages.com for anyone that wants to find it later. Um, and so, 
keep, so if you can in your journals, just do a quick little sketch copy. Don't make it too detailed for the sake of time. But just do, draw two castles. And throughout the remainder of my talk, think about these castles. So your castle is kind of things that you, um, what are these things of the world that have come into your kingdom? So for example, like, do you have, um, do you, you know, see gossip? Do you see uh, despair, lust, um, whatever it is, depression, porn, whatever these serious things are in your life that why you're here this weekend that you want to give up to the Lord, put in your castle. And in this heavenly kingdom are things that we're going to want to give up to Jesus. So what do you want in my kingdom, Jesus? Do you want more community? Do you want purity? Do you want hope, joy, more prayer time, etc.? Does that make sense? Okay, so draw those two cast, draw those two castles, um, and just throughout the remainder of my talk, like I said, think about what you want to write in each. All right. I'm going to have another volunteer. Can someone raise their hand? Yes, Kara, thank you. Kara, can you read this for us? Oh, read it right there, wherever you want. Uh, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Yes. Have, has anyone heard of C.S. Lewis before? Yeah. yeah. He's a baller. Um, as we continue to grow in this Christian life, the more... We see this destiny, this urge being fulfilled, this desire for another world, right, for eternity, what Gabrielle was holding. And as we grow in holiness and virtue, the things and sins and temptations of this world become less satisfying, which is a good thing. The more we, dis- we have a distaste for sin, the more we stand out and start pulling away from this world, which is sometimes why we have that pushback. And the enemy is going to start seeing this, and he's going to start throwing arrows at us, Saying, like, no, stop from stop that. Like, stop from striving, stop from thriving. But it is an honor to be noticed, right, by him. Because it's like, wow, we're doing something right here. We're doing something right here. It's an honor to be called a daughter of the king and to be noticed and to be attacked almost. It is an honor. It is also sometimes hard, which is what we'll get to throughout the remainder of this talk. But I want us to be aware that it's a, sometimes a good thing to feel this pressure. Sometimes it's a good thing to have this suffering, okay? He also goes on to say that if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. Okay. Um, next slide. Who's in the movie Coach Carter? It's a basketball coach. Um, so he was... Laura, probably Mitch, yeah. <laughs> um, so Coach Carter was um, a head basketball coach um, at a school in California. He became famous because his team went undefeated despite all these different odds, and then he later benched his team due to poor academic results, which is a different funny story. But um, he has this quote that says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your plain small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. 
We were all meant to shine as children do. Do you guys see how this word all is italicized? That's not just for these people, select people in this room, that's for all of us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we consciously give other people permission to do the same. That's huge. And as we are liberated from our fear, our pressure, sorry, our presence automatically liberates others. Isn't this beautiful? This is, this is freedom right here. This is freedom for us, and it's freedom for others as well. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And as that we are liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Okay, so why do we have this fear? We have to go back to Genesis 2 to talk about that. So we all know, sorry, we all know the story uh, about Adam and Eve, right? Um, And so they're in this garden, and the enemy um, is not here yet. That's important. So a woman is formed from man, and then the man and his wife were both naked, yet they felt no shame. So they were both naked, but they felt no shame. They're doing great in this garden. And then all of a sudden, the snake comes in, the most cunning of them all. And cunning, according to Siri, by definition means having or showing skill in achieving one's ends by deceit or evasion. Another definition would be um, attractive or quaint. So cunning is having or showing skill in achieving one's end by deceit or evasion, attractive or quaint. So this cunning creature comes into the comes into that little red portion of your life, right? Comes in, and he's like, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of the trees of the garden? Did he really say that these things that you're doing are going to really fulfill you? Did he really say not to do these things, but to do these other things? And the woman's like, yes, like that's what he said. And the snake's like, well, you mentioned death. You will certainly not die. So he doesn't want to be exposed, right? You will certainly not die. Because death is of the snake. And then all of a sudden they believe him. Like, okay, you're, you're attractive. You're deceitful. You're cunning. We'll try eating this apple. She gives it to her husband. He takes a bite. And then their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were both. That we, then they knew, excuse me, that they both were naked. And then later, Father God comes in. They hide themselves. He says, where are you? Adam answers, I heard you were in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. That sounds a lot like shame, right? Then God asked, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? And what's so interesting here, guys, is that their nakedness was not their vulnerability. Their nakedness was not their vulnerability because they were already naked, right? Who told you? So God's going to say, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. So snake and the woman. But it's interesting because the woman gave the man the apple, right? But he's not going to put enmity between them because there's something about God's character and heart for man and woman that he doesn't want to put enmity between them because he's a good God because man and woman are good. Our bodies are good. But he puts enmity between the woman and the snake. Okay. Raise your hand if you have gone through something difficult in your life. Yep, everyone, okay? 
Great. Now that we've laid the foundation that we've all experienced something difficult, we can't say that all these cards are stacked against Nina. We can't make these excuses, okay? We've all been through something difficult, um, and as a community, we're going to move into greatness. But we're not going to make these excuses anymore. We're not going to say that these things are difficult because we're made for more. So who told you? We have to identify who is telling us in order to move into this greatness. Who told you that you could not be powerful? Who told you that you were not a light? Who told you that you were not worthy? That you were not pure? That you were not smart or capable? And so now sin and shame are now introduced into the world. And how are they related? Well, shame makes you justify sin. And shame tells you that you cannot be great. So shame makes you justify sin. And shame tells you that you cannot be great. There's a reason why people don't go to confession for years and years and years because they're trying to justify their sin so they don't feel as bad about themselves. And then they start getting in a darker and darker and darker place. Okay, so the world. Um, Something to be said about the world is that I want this talk to not feel so heavy and depressing. depressing. Um, This talk is meant to be waking us up and making us alert. A recent conference I went to um, through Cornerstone, um, we had a guest speaker, his name was Dan Keating. He said, be alert and awake, but not be alarmed. So the purpose of this talk today is just to, to be awake and alert, okay? So the world, I think sometimes we like, um, you know, uh, have this negative connotation about the world, but the physical world is subjected to the corruption because of sin, but is not inherently bad in itself which is why we need to be awake and alert of its tactics. Um, Aside from our parents, the world is how we form ideas, values, and relationships, which is why community is so important. You're the average of who you spend your time around. You're the average of what you watch, what you listen to, what you read. What you read affects your mind, what what your um, actions are, um, are a result of what your mind is being fed. But that last bullet point is important because in this context, the world is being manipulated by the enemy. And so in this world, as we all know, it's all about me. It's all about what, you, what your social media form, platform looks like, what you're doing, what your major is. It's all about this, like, what do I get out of life? What am I getting out of this red portion of my life? It's all about self-fulfillment, self-gratification, and you're filling yourself. So essentially, like, in the world, I need to be blank to be satisfied. I need... Um, you know, morning prayer to go better in order to be more fulfilled in household. I need so-and-so to be a better, like, singer in the morning to be fulfilled in household. Um, I need a, um, I need to get along with my housemates better to be fulfilled in household. Um, I need, you know, a boyfriend to make me, like, satisfied in this life. I need to have a better schedule to have time to pray. And when we don't have these fulfillments, when we don't feel satisfied, we start to turn to this world and say, well, what what is it marketing us? What is it telling us that will satisfy us? And then we choose those things. And we settle because greatness sometimes can appear hard to achieve. Greatness can sometimes appear, appear is crucial there, appear hard to achieve. And therefore, it is easier to settle for what is immediately visible. So like the Lord wants to intimately abide with us in prayer time. Um, but we settle for re-racking and pushing off prayer time until... Later today, it'll happen later, and then it never does, right? Or the Lord wants, um, you know, like, intimacy with you, like I said, 
he wants us to know that we're brides, but then we settle for relationships with boys that are dressed as men. Or the Lord wants unity, but instead, um, because we've been wounded by women or because we've been wounded by community, we get clicking exclusive during community events, and then that further wounds more people. It's how the enemy enters. It, you become more inward-facing. Um, and we become like everyone else, and suddenly Christianity becomes a chore and not an adventure. And so we still call ourselves Christian, but it's not really how we're living. And this is complacency. So I have, in order to kind of break the, the heaviness in this room right now, I just want to play a clip um, for those that um, have seen this video before. It's called Little Boxes. Um, and it's great. If you guys want to, feel free to stand up and dance too. It's kind of a fun <laughs> bopping song. is it's, it's literally boring. Um, and so, therefore, how do we get out of complacency? How do we not let the enemy, like, attack us in moments of complacency? <laughs> Throw little boxes. <laughs> is, um, well, there's a few scriptures that I want to incorporate, but um, it's just making sure that no one's going to lead us astray, right? So many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. 
Guys, I think sometimes when we see the word wars, we think of like World War II, we think of our grandparents, we're like, we're not in a war. But are we in a war? Yeah. Especially like most recently, like this, our climate of our, of our, like of our nation is so hostile. But do not be alarmed. So like Jesus is foreshadowing this. He says, this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. There will be pandemics. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. And he goes on to say again later in Matthew, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath there are ravenous wolves. By their fruits you will know them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. Just so every good tree bears good fruit and a rotten tree bears bad fruit, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So by their fruits, you will know them. What's so important to notice about this uh, scripture right here is that, um, in case you didn't notice my, my red, it says, who come to you. So like the enemy is literally going to come. He's coming to us. He sees, he's seen what is attractive, what is good, what is holy, and he's coming to us because he's throwing arrows at whatever, whatever is good, whatever, whatever is holy, whatever is pure, because he wants to take it down. He's not going to waste his time with people that are complacent. He's going to take down people that are thriving. And I don't want us to be afraid of this because like, there is goodness to be had, right? There's Jesus. We're not alone in this battle. But this is seriously what he, this is how he operates. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. But how we can identify this is because it's in, they're in sheep's clothing. By their fruits, you will know them. Um, so then it says later, be on your guard. Um, just again, the, you know, bearing witness, being aware of what's happening. Um, I think sometimes even like the word um, martyr gets kind of watered down. Um, does anyone know the story of St. Kateri? Like how she, yeah. Do you want to like kind of give a little blurb about how like what happened before she became Saint Kateri? Know that she was a martyr. Yes, <laughs> she was, she was first, a martyr. Um, she was a Native American. Yes. Um, Do you know what happened before she was even born? No. No. And so I didn't know this until recently. So I, essentially, there was these brave North American martyrs that came. Um, and against the Mohawk tribe. And this, this Mohawk tribe, like, literally is, like, just, they're experiencing such persecution there. Um, and they keep, all these martyrs keep going over there and they keep dying. And there are more that come and they keep dying. Um, but they're trying to spread the gospel. They're trying to share the good news. And they're literally getting killed. Um, and then they all die. And the Mohawk tribe is, Mohawk tribe is still alive. And then... However, there are a few people that had heard the gospel, and then two of those people got married and had baby Kateri, and she became one of the greatest saints of our time. But I think sometimes we also forget that, um, that we are like, that even though we're not seeing fruit right now, that it's not worth it, um, and that's a lie, because St. Kateri um, is obviously awesome, and she um, was the byproduct of martyrdom. Um, so, regardless, the enemy is going to keep coming. He's going to keep telling us these lies. Um, but this should not make you anxious. 
Um, and especially as women, we, we know that um, God put enmity between women and the snake. So us, we are vulnerable, but our nakedness is not our vulnerability, right? Like who we are as women is our vulnerability. But if we have our inheritance rooted in the right place, we're not vulnerable anymore. Also, have you ever noticed how the evil one speaks lies into areas that you've often like had victory in? Yeah. Why does he do that? It's because you already have victory in these areas. You're already strong in these areas. He's not going to waste his time with areas that you haven't, like, that you're weak in, right? That's just a waste of his time. Um, He also attacks um, very slowly and steadily um, and kind of, like, tries to see how he can. um, He tries, like, in small ways and then big ways. Um, It's kind of like a credit card hacker. They're going to make small purchases and then, when, and, and then if you're not noticing, they're going to keep making bigger and bigger purchase and purchases until they deplete your account. Um, so it's important to strive for excellency in the small things and also the bad things. Or, I mean, in the small things and the big things. <laughs> not the bad things. <laughs> Don't write that down. <laughs> um, so I have a quick little personal testimony, too, about bearing witness before them. Um, so at, since I work in, like, the secular world, right, I work as a nurse, I often experience um, people know when I first graduated, I was like, I'm done living this life of a little ticky tacky box. Like I want to live radically and I want people um, like just to, to see that. And I'm not going to be like I'm insecure about that. I'm not going to um, water down, if you will, my faith. I want people to know who I am because this is a way, this is the life I want to live. I want to see that eternity. Um, and so I had my coworkers, some of them like, and I started a Bible study, and we've been going for a few years now, and it's freaking awesome. I love it. Um, but a lot of my coworkers that were not in the Bible study started hearing about this Bible study, and they started like asking us these questions, and they started essentially like, if you will, I was experiencing some persecution at work, not to the extent that martyrs may be experiencing, if you will, but I remember there's been times where I've come home, especially recently, um, and just feeling so wounded, and so like my ego shot, and I was like, oh, like just wanting to um, have a community that's not going to be attacking me, but we're not called to live in community. We're, to, we're called to be great, right? We're called to like leave this bubble and to be great. Um, and that's the importance of community is not to like stay, but it's to remind each other of why we're called to greatness when things are tough. Um, so my faith is liberating others, praise God, and others are being like liberated and liberating each other. So this Bible study is, we're, you know, going strong. We, we meet every week, and I love it. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was here, I'm here today because not, I'm a, not that I'm a speaker or that I'm, like, you know, necessarily, like, um, yeah, I just, I live this, and I experience this, and I know how worth, worthwhile it is. So I want you guys to be encouraged in this. Um, yeah, I want you guys to be encouraged in this, that it's worth it. Be watchful, be alert, stay awake. You guys get the point. Okay, so the solution is just Jesus, right? Amen? The solution is just Jesus. We don't need to be, like, you know, trying to figure out how to build our weapons and build our shields. The solution is Jesus. He's already won. It's done. It's over. We can move on. We can live in freedom now, okay? So Jesus. Prayer time is huge. Knowing Jesus is huge. Another helpful way to combat the evil one is authentic community, which is why we're all here and so I kind of had fun with this slide. Um, kind of like I said, remind me, community is meant to be not your, like, not your religion, right? But like uh, reminding you of the goodness. 
Like we're called to step out. We're called to break away. We're called to evangelize other, other nations. Um, and so that's that remind me concept is that we're called to leave. Communities also, um, so I brought some of these pictures. They're just really fun. This was Amazon here. Um, I see her in the back over there. But um, this is what formed me. So during these years, take these years um, and just really cherish them. Um, because And work on those healthy male and female relationships. Work on um, growing close with your sisters. Like, um, yeah, community is so important. Um, so kind of like that castle picture that we talked about earlier. A community will help you get from the world into heaven. Um, and part of that is vulnerability. And some, some people, some women, are wounded by community. Um, I know I was initially in college. I was wounded by it. I was like, mm, no. And that's like the humanness in it. But a lie is that Jesus, like, that, that, like, Jesus doesn't want you to be in that community anymore. Like, actually, we're called to bring revival. We're, we're called to heal. Um, and the evil one wants to separate. He wants to divide. Um, so he's going to keep wanting to keep these dark, things in this dark dungeon of yours. Um, so kind of like that castle. Think of anything that you're, like, ashamed about. You kind of keep in this dungeon. Um, and he wants you to keep that there. But the beauty of community is that you can, like, share these things with each other. Um, come Holy Spirit, open up the windows, like release these things, um, let the Father heal them, and like let your community fill that space. So as soon as you open up these dark dungeons, like let your community heal that, or let the Lord heal that and let your community in so they take up space where dark things can't come in again. Um, you are responsible for creating that world you want to be in. If you see an area of this community that could be greater sanctified, then be that movement. We cannot complain and criticize. It's inward facing and it creates division and it's not of God. And so that remind me concept again, just to reiterate, is essentially like I've eaten at the wedding feast. And so now we're reminding each other the lavishness and the abundance of what this like wedding feast entails. It's reminding each other when things are hard. Community is also transformative. Um, finding people that will challenge you to be better. Um, so, for example, I brought up a picture of um, one of the previous SPO missionaries at Ohio. Her name's Jonna. She's now in New Jersey. Um, and I lived with her. I was in my last year, I was in Judah with Anna, Jonna, and another girl named Haley. And at first, Jonna and I uh, did not, we butted heads a lot. Um, we both have strong personalities, and she was constantly challenging me. And I was like, girl, like, I'm just here to, like, have friends and, like, get to know Jesus and, like, have fun, okay? Like, stop, tra- tra- stop trying to make me better, um, which is hilarious that these are my honest thoughts. Um, and she just kept pushing in and she kept challenging me, and I'm so thankful for that for the, to this day. Um, so finding people that will challenge you, not appease you, is huge for community. Community is also protective. Um, it can be a safe place. Um, and we are a family. Um, so this family needs to be intentional with one another. So like, let's be vulnerable in that. And then lastly, in the world but not of it, um, this world needs less women. This is one of my favorite quotes. This world, woman, sorry, this world needs less women who know how to take and post good photos of themselves. It needs women who can do hard and holy work. Amen, right? So the diversity of Ohio State will enhance your missionary capabilities upon graduation. So take this time and place as God building your skill set. Invest in your missionary opportunities on campus. Okay, 
I'm going to do something cheesy, but turn to the people around you and smile at them and say, I love you. <laughs> Make it as weird as possible. Okay. All right. These are your sisters. Let's use this greatness to inspire each other in greatness. Amen? All right, the flesh. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake their way and sinners their thoughts. Let them turn onto the Lord to find mercy to our God who is generous and forgiving. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Like, thank God. God does not have my thoughts. Like, I'm, like, constantly thinking about food. I'm like, what if God just, like, started thinking about food? Like, everyone would literally be like, God, I need to breathe. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, breathe. Okay, like, he can't, like, what if he thought about our thoughts? He doesn't. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we live in this era, we live in this world where we have social media and everyone's, like, posting, like, things on their timelines and then on their stories of, like, these are my thoughts and this is what you should believe and this is what is profound and... People are starting their own blogs and podcasts and creating stories to share their thoughts. Um, And there's goodness in some of these things too, right? But for the most part, we're seeing more than ever church doctrines being attacked because that we've had for centuries because people are experiencing their own thoughts and they want to essentially figure out how to like coexist with their thoughts in church doctrine or what, what the Bible says, right? Do you guys see this? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of stupid if you think about it, right? You're like, why would I try to figure this out? Like, why would I try to make the Bible water down to fit my needs? Because then the Bible is not, like, steadfast. It's not, like, timeless then. It changes. There's division. And so just imagine this. Like, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. And as high as the heavens, as high as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When I think of heaven, I think of, like, the galaxy and the stars, and so the sun's, like, closer to us in the galaxy, right? The sun is 93 million miles away right now. So imagine, like, how high God's thoughts are. It's kind of funny. You're like, okay, all right, a little, hum- you know, humility check here. So what would, it look like, what would it look like to have the mind of Christ, to be like Christ to this world? What would it look like to have the mind of Christ, to be like Christ to this world? Guys, we need to humble ourselves um, and realize that our generation has a real struggle with truth. And they think that they can find their own version of truth. And if you disagree with them, you offend them, right? I'm I'm offended by that. But who really cares what we think? (laughs) I've existed for, what, like 25 years? Like, who really cares? Like, I want my thoughts to be God's thoughts. It's that rope or that twine analogy right that gabrielle was helping me hold earlier it's that red portion that we're so consumed by we're so consumed with what people think of us in this red portion we're so consumed with like how popular or how successful we'll be or it's just so it's so stupid like it really is like we laugh about that like it's so dumb and i'm guilty of this too you know like we're all like we're all in this red portion that's all we can see because see and that's what everyone else is seeing So it's time for us to stop listening to all the opinions and just open the word and get to know scripture. Mark 7, 15. Um, Can someone read this for me? 
Olivia. For there is there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they those are they that defile the man. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? That your wounds don't defile you. What someone said to you or did to you doesn't defile you. It's what comes out of him or her. So what you do in response to this is what defiles you. That's really important, guys. What has happened to you in the past? We raised our hands earlier in the beginning. What has happened to us in the past does not defile our actions, does not determine our actions. We... Determine that, okay? So stop playing the victim card. I'm serious. Stop saying that the cards are stacked against us because it's not. We have freedom. We have inheritance. We have victory. We have goodness to be had. And I think some of us still, and I see this too in the secular world with like girls I work with, we still operate out of this woundedness. We operate out of woundedness, out of a place of like orphan mentality and not out of victory. And while the world distracts, the flesh acts. And I think sometimes we talk about the flesh in this negative way. But in reality, the flesh is just acting on the environment it's in. So we have to de- define the word flesh. Um, I think your like, outlines uh, talk about this a little bit. But um, the flesh can mean different things in the Bible. It's not just emotion, sexual desires, or our body. Um, it can be considered an obstacle um, to a life with Christ. But our body, our emotion, our sexual desires can be seen as conversation starters, not decision makers. So that's something I want us to bring into freedom today. um, Is that they're only bad when we allow the impulse to make the decision. So sometimes we think about our sins and we become shameful about them, right? But as long as they're just conversation starters. Like get them out, bring your dungeons to the light, get them out, talk about them, and heal from them and freaking move on. Like... Get over it, move on, live in freedom. They're only bad when we allow the impulse to make the decisions. They're only bad when they defile our actions. Do you guys under, can I get a, some head nods? Do you guys understand this? Does this make sense? So, for example, like impatience, contentment, sorry, discontentment, restlessness. Questions could be like, why am I feeling restless? Am I struggling for control? Or anxiety, depression, loneliness. Why do I feel lonely? Have I ever really truly been lonely? Insecurity, self-pity, being hard on oneself, fear of rejection or what others will think. Why do I feel insecure? Is my fear actually that I'm a light in this darkness and that frightens me? Kind of like what Coach Carter was saying. Am I actually a light in this darkness and that frightens me? That's so true. Why am I trying to make these people like me? Why do I feel like I'm trying to prove myself to them? What about their attention is so satisfying? Will their attention ever truly be enough? Or sexual desires. Why am I feeling this attraction to that man? Why do I feel that I need to make sure that he knows that I like him? Why do I desire to tell my boyfriend everything? Why do I push boundaries with him? Do I believe in God's holy design for relationship? Why do I feel this craving to watch porn or to masturbate? Am I feeling more fulfilled or more isolated after? Or comparison or jealousy. What about her do I feel that I do not have to see or that I do not have or I do not see in myself? 
what stirs in me when they get the attention and I don't. Do you see how these are conversation starters? These are not areas of shame. Because shame is of the evil one and he wants to cripple us and he wants us to keep these things in the dungeon. Especially in community. Especially when you, you know, like, we, like, you don't have to have it all together. I just want you guys to know that. Like, that's why we're here. That's why I'm here. We're all, it's all a journey, right? It's, we're all growing. We're all learning. So, like, let's, like, air out. <laughs> let's get the dungeon, you know, open. Let's talk about these things. So the external, the external world is speaking these lies to your internal flesh. So the external versus the internal. These thoughts are not bad. They're healthy conversation starters, like I said, and they're normal. But because of that fall, because of Genesis, we feel, we feel that we need to be shameful about these things. And these thoughts can bring us to healing, can bring us to restoration when these thoughts are surrendered to Jesus and that sin no longer sits on the throne. Jesus does. Sometimes we read all these self-help books or these like positive thinking books, um, but in reality, we just like rene- need like a renewal of the mind, and that's what this is. This is a renewal of the mind. We're not gonna. We're no longer gonna operate out of these things. We're no longer gonna like, you know, speak a declaration over ourselves that morning and forget about it that night or that next day. We're like gonna freaking renew our mind and we're gonna move on. Okay, Amen. So stop taking ownership for your sin. Stop feeling shameful about it. Stop trying to muster enough strength. Pick up, you know, yourself by your bootstraps. White-knuckling it to keep working on it. You weren't, you weren't meant to do that. The Lord has, like, literally won that for you. So just surrender it and, like, receive that mercy. Women are receiving. It's funny. It's a funny thing. But we're going we're gonna to receive the Lord's mercy for this, and move on. I wrote down, we are in a battle. We don't have time to question things. Um, do you guys know the podcast Abiding Together? Yeah. <laughs> I pretty much had to do this for the sake of just giving Jaslyn something. Um, but I love Abiding Together. Thank you. What's your name? Ollie. Thank you for raising your hand and being pumped up with me. But um, Heather Kim, as you probably know her on the podcast, says, stop talking to the dang snake. Like, seriously, like, we know that we have these desires of the flesh. We know that these things are of our body. But that doesn't mean we have to keep talking and keep trying to figure these things out on our own. Right? Or just stop talking about it. Like, let it go, surrender it, receive mercy, and freaking move on. We don't have time (laughs) to question things. And the evil one, like I said earlier, is going to attack what has already been glorified. So be aware of this and move on. All right, you're just a little sore right now. Sorry. Okay. So there's three common methods of self-defense, also told by a member of the Biden Together podcast, Sister Mary and James. I kind of fangirl after her. She got her own slide. But um, so these are three common methods of self-defense for when we're trying to, like, receive and we're trying to move in this. Can someone read these three things for me? Thanks, lady. I have already dealt with that. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not as big as other people's stuff, so I don't feel worthy enough to have Jesus investigate that. Or it's not a big deal. If I start crying, if I open that door, if I let that part of my heart be seen, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
Does anybody relate with one of those? Yeah. So like for the first one, noticing that first one doesn't minimize the gravity or like the seriousness of it. But, but it can't prevent us from having that being transformed, right? That's the courage piece of it. I think that sometimes we find um, that these most tender areas harbor such deep wounds um, or deep trauma, but Christ is always there. He is always there. There is nothing beyond his mercy or his redemption. And he delights, like he really delights in transforming that. The second thing, well, it's not as big as other people's stuff, so I'm just not worthy of receiving this then. Or it's not that big of a deal. Like, don't go to these places alone. Don't, don't believe these lies. Like, it is a big deal. Hold the hand of Jesus. Hold the hand of your sister. Hold the hand of Our Lady or the saints. And keep in the gaze, gaze of God during this. Don't fall into the enemy's lies that, that this is futile or it's meaningless. Or your suffering doesn't mean anything. We were not meant to keep just suffering and bearing these burdens, okay? I think that's actually huge. I think that sometimes we think that we have to, like, take this and just, like, work with this for the rest of our life. Like, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to be, like, struggling with purity. I'm always going to be feeling insecure. We don't have to, we don't have to live that way anymore. And I'm being dead serious. Like, the Lord can seriously transform that. He wants to transform that. He already has transformed that, actually. It's a matter of us just receiving this now. And the third thing is if I start crying, if I open that door, if I let that part of my heart be seen, I don't know what's going to happen. And how often in small group do you not want to cry or want to share something? Because you're like, oh, I'm going to be a mess. (laughs) It happens pretty much in every one of my small groups (laughs) throughout the years. And we're not surrendering to like an ideal or an idea. We're surrendering to a person. So there's safety there. We know this is secure. And that person is a person of love. It's the Prince of Peace. And there's nothing bad that is coming from his heart. Does God keep his promises? Yes or yes? Yes. If he didn't, he wouldn't be a loving God. Okay, thermostat versus thermometer. This is my favorite. So, okay. Um, Jaslyn, can you read that first bulleted section for me? The bold one? Yeah. Not virtuous and not pursuing holiness. The flesh is like a thermometer. Whatever influences around it, the flesh succumbs to it. Yeah. So a a wise man named Aaron Richards gave me, or gave us, I wasn't a... um, seminar one time when he spoke this years ago and it's so true though so if you're not virtuous you're not pursuing holiness you're gonna be like a thermometer right so when you take your temperature and it's like whoop you're hot whoop, you're cold like that's what what happens when you just are like succumbing to whatever's around you you're just succumbing to your environment but pursuing virtue and holiness and being vulnerable and bringing these things to the light in a humble way is like a thermostat. You are set. Nothing can bother you. you are, you're stable. Do you guys want to be a thermostat? Yeah. Say, I want to be a thermostat. I want to be a thermostat. 
Say it one more time. I want to be a thermostat. Awesome. We're all going to be thermostats today. Okay. That's it. Goodbye. (laughs) But the thermostat sets the temperature for its environment, and it influences the environment to meet its firm standards. How fun is that? We can actually influence our environment. We can, like, be the person we want to be and inspire others to do the same. We're influencing the environment. We're liberating. We're bringing light. And I also want to, like, speak this as well. When in mission, sometimes women will drop their standards to meet other women's standards for the sake of allowing them to, like, see eye to eye and then whatever. We still can meet them there. That does not mean we drop our standards, okay? So, like, example, like, with the party scene. That does not mean you start consuming large amounts of alcohol or, like, you know, in a gossip environment. That does not mean you start gossiping for the sake of fitting in. You don't do that. We're staying as a thermostat, not a thermometer. And that's what grace is for. You show them grace to reach these high standards, but we're not lowering ours. And that's very important. So the solution. Um, Surrender. Stop overthinking. You have one life. Live it. We have one red portion. When we die, I don't want us to be like, ah, no, we're going to like be like, yeah, I lived this one life. I lived it well. I'm proud of it. We're going like, to do this life together, ladies. We're going to get there. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit is really powerful in prayer. And the other solution, too, is spending time with Jesus. This is huge. Sometimes I think women get caught up. I know I do as well. Get caught up in all the logistics of prayer time. Like all the things I have to get done. Those checklist items or things to read. Just do less and be more. More be, less do. <laughs> the more time you spend with him, the more you know him, the more you look like him. Mentorship. I talked about this earlier with my friend Jonna. Find someone who will challenge you, not appease you. Someone who will challenge you, not appease you. Write that person down right now, actually, in your journals. Whoever that person is for you, write them down. And frequenting the sacraments, too, especially confession, is really helpful, too, for combating the, um, the world and the flesh. So I want to share a, a little story. Um, one of my dear friends, Father Patrick Schultz, he um, uh, married Brad and I. Um, and he sent me, this is from a text um, he sent me. I had taken one of my, uh, this is a glory story. I take um, so often in the secular world in this Bible study, I'm trying to bring Jesus to these girls, right? Tell these women, trying to love them, trying to show them love himself. And I'm just getting really beaten because there's a lot of these things that they're saying, well, Nina, like, that doesn't make sense. And it's kind of like the whole, back to what I was talking about earlier, where, like, my thoughts don't really match up with what the Bible's saying. So therefore, I'm just going to kind of, like, pick and choose what I want and, like, live that then. And so there was, um, was that a fly? <laughs> uh, and it was a huge fly. He was like... Um, but, um, so there was this one girl though that, um, praise God for this. I think the Lord just like gave me some, he gave me fruit, um, in this way, but, um, she hadn't gone to confession in like five years. And so, um, which 
is nothing to be shameful about. But the cool thing is she went to confession. And so he sent me this text after we had gone to confession. And by the way, when we first, when I um, had gone to confession with her, we drove up to Wadsworth, Ohio. So it's an hour and a half. Um, and the whole time, like, I'm going to buckle her in. She's not leaving my car. We're, we're going. Like, floor it, Nina. Like, we're getting there. She's going. And so we get there. Um, she goes first. They were back there for a while. She comes out. I go in. And both Father Pat and my friend were crying. And it's really interesting to see your, the priest cry, too, because you're like, oh, what happened? <laughs> and I close the door, and he said, Nina, she's so beautiful. And I think I still get emotional thinking about that. Because imagine if Jesus said that about you once you leave the confessional. The reality is he does. Nina, she's so beautiful. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, she is. And I think sometimes we think that our shame or our sins or these temptations of the flesh... um, are just not, um, it's this whole like productivity thing. Like I'm not producing, so therefore I'm not worthy. But the reality is that's a lie. And you are beautiful. And the Lord loves you. Um, so he sent this text. He said, sometimes the confessional is the father embracing the prodigal who has returned home. Other times, other times it's the um, bride's vulnerability and spiritual nakedness before the bridegroom. And she's begging to know that he still loves her. It was the latter. I'm reminded by those encounters how exquisitely beautiful the priesthood is. How sacred is the space where the priest works and walks. The train of deep, deep intimacy. He also said to her, after she had confessed, he said, thank you for showing me who the real is. Thank you for showing me who the real Nina is. Doesn't that just like, you guys feel so loved? Yeah. You are a daughter of the king. You are a bride to the bridegroom. That question we talked about at the beginning, like who told you this? Like who told you? What power does that enemy truly ever have? Something, is a, something important is also to remember where we are in this battle. We are on the offense. When we say, when we hear in scripture that the gates of hell shall never prevail against it, The gates of hell shall never prevail against it. It means that the enemy is already at his gates. (laughs) He's already getting this pushback. He's already here at his gates. And he can't prevail anymore. He's at his gates. He's stuck. He can't advance anymore. That's important. We are on the offense. We've already won. The enemy is literally at his gates. He's whining. He's scared. The Lord is winning. So stop playing the victim card. Stop playing the victim card and live out of your inheritance. Live measurably out of your inheritance. Fighting back. One solution. Jesus. The whole Christian life is about receiving what's already been paid for. I'm going to say something bold here, but I'm serious. You should not be living in sin after conversion. You should not be living in sin after conversion. I'm not saying that you should not be like committing a sin, but you should not be staying in the sin after conversion. Does that make sense? You should not be living in sin after conversion because the whole Christian life is about what's receiving, what he's already been 
given to us, just literally receiving it from heaven. Is heaven poor? Does heaven lack? No, it does not. It has abundance. It has goodness. It has literally infinite goodnesses, infinite gifts, infinite graces. So you don't need to struggle anymore with trying to find these graces on this world or in this world or in this flesh. You don't have to have a pretty time in your lifetime on, in this red section to be at that spot. You don't need a fancy prayer or a better place or a different time of day to receive these goodnesses and these graces. And so back to your castles for a second. Asking Jesus, what do you want in my kingdom? And Jesus, blank or X does not satisfy me or bring me closer to you. I surrender X to you. So throughout the rest of this weekend and moving forward after this weekend, think about that. In the castle on the left, right, things that you want to surrender to him. And on the castle on the right, um, in that castle with you and Jesus, right, um, what he wants, what you guys want in your kingdom. You guys no longer have to struggle with this addiction to pornography or purity or perfectionism or jealousy. I'm serious. Or comparison. Like, resurrection life is living in this abundance. Resurrection life is living in this abundance. Jesus referred to himself as the bridegroom, not the husband, because he never left the wedding feast. To give my husband credit for that one. We were up till 2 a.m. last night just going on about this. We were so excited. Jesus referred to himself as the bridegroom, not the husband, because he never left the wedding feast. Through the Holy Spirit, you can open these dungeons, guys, and let God's warmth in to bring resurrection to those areas of darkness. So let's be so humble to allow him in. The gospel of love changes earthly realities to make them heavenly.